Welcome, everybody, to Game Over Toronto. A Leafs win against the Florida Panthers, but right off the top, we have a special guest. Who brought a special guest? It's amazing. <laughs> we have, first and foremost, got to, got to give it a little introduction. Our guest here is a retired retired astronaut, Air Force captain, as well as a best-selling author. His newest book is called The Defector, out right now. And we have Ed Robertson from the Bare Naked Ladies. Right, just just because. Welcome to the show. <laughs> what did you guys think of the game? And Armand is here. I'm sorry, Armand. How are you doing today? That's okay. I'm. Uh, <laughs> you don't really need to introduce me after those two. It's it's a tough intro. I know. Yeah, I guys, let me. How was the game? How did the you guys game do? was fantastic. I mean, uh, it was a roller coaster of emotions, uh, and at the end, it got so confusing. <laughs> But uh, we were so happy that it ended in our favor. And we actually, uh, because there was a confusion, a lot of people were leaving. Ed and I had walked down in the arena. And so we were right down there, uh, right up with our noses against the glass for the, uh, for the, you know, the winning shot at the end. So Amazing. it was outstanding. It, was a, it ended up being a great game. Yeah. I actually ended up turning off my stream after, uh, after uh, Rodriguez scored and then Rob, Armand, our how dare you? <laughs> Rob, our producer messaged me or, or said uh, that it didn't finish. So I turned it back on. But yeah. Wild game. Wild game. Yeah. Like, so like, yeah, sorry. I lost my, lost my train of thought there. So yeah. The, so the, how did you feel like, so I, I want to talk to you, Chris, about the, so you had a book. It was called, you know, it's called like talking about the, Life lessons of an astronaut. What kind of life lessons would you give to this team after a game like that, where it started <laughs> off so poorly, but ended off so wildly interesting? Like, what kind of life lessons do you think this team needs from you right now? <laughs> well, um, I, I think what really saved the day, I mean, uh, what really uh, allowed me to do the things that I got to do was uh, not giving up at the first try was recognizing some things are not going to go well. Nothing's going to go the way you plan. You know, if what's that quote? If you want the gods to laugh, tell them your plans. And and, <laughs> yeah. and yet uh, they, they came in lackluster. That's okay. Not everyone comes out super sharp. But we kept the score uh, close enough. Uh, Wall, Wall was absolutely brilliant, kept the team going. And then we came back, tied up the game and carried that right through to the end and, and put in the effort. And then amazingly enough, even one in the shootout. So, so I think, you know, what I would put as a life lesson out of that is uh, keep the, the, uh, the objective in mind. Don't give up. Uh, you know, it's, it's never as late as you think you can, you can fight it right to the very end. And it's just an amazing what can happen uh, through the course of a game. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think uh, what we just witnessed has to be, the least shots on goal during power plays by a oh team that won the game. Honestly, <laughs> that last power play. Oh God. We yeah. talk about that all day. But, yeah, but, you know, speaking near the goal. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of yeah, shots sure. toward net. Toward net. Yeah. They they tried. Not they tried. Net. Shot attempts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, speaking, you know, obviously as an astronaut or even on a on a band, you know, you guys work as a team, you know, consistently. And, um, you know, the mistakes 
on a space station are far more consequential consequential than anything on a hockey team. What lessons do you take from being an astronaut and working as a team that can apply to things like sports? And, you know, even for you, Ed, you know, making making a mistake on stage is a lot like making a mistake on the ice. And like, what can you take away in terms of your communication with your team members? Because we saw the Leafs kind of missing cues, not hitting their passes quite a bit. Do you see, you know, things in your personal experiences that can sort of apply to that area of the game as well? It's really easy to learn skills and practice skills and execute and iterate on things you've studied. It's a lot more important and difficult to transition when your plans change or when you're thrown a curve or a wrench in the system. It's not about all the knowledge that you must acquire. It's about how you deal with adversity. And I think it's, uh, Chris, I'm sure would agree. I, I think the superpower of my band is that we are never afraid to fail. So we dare to try ridiculous things all the time because it's way more exciting than just doing what you practiced a thousand times. And what we do uh, in order to successfully fly a a rocket ship or to command a space station, I I was an astronaut for 21 years. I was in space for six months. So for 20 and a half years, I did stuff that nobody saw um, that, that wasn't life or death, but was absolutely necessary to build the skills just like everybody out on the ice tonight, you see them out there and you think, oh, Nylander's having an off night. But just think of the number of hours and the number of reps and iterations and skill drills he's done since he was a kid. So they get out there and play like he played in Sweden recently and like you play for the rest of the year. So I, I think there's a parallel. If you're going to be on the stage, if you're going to have high stakes, you've got to put in the quiet, unanswered personal effort to to raise your skill level and the skill level of the people around you. I've also had, I've also had the good fortune of uh, playing in a few charity tournaments and uh, bare naked ladies for many years, we brought hockey gear and we would rent local ice and rent goalies and play games on our day off. And I had uh, the incredible value of getting to play with some NHLers who would be considered among the least skilled players <laughs> in the league at the time. Yeah. And one NHL player among a group of guys who think they're amazing, <laughs> that one guy will look like Wayne Gretzky on the ice. And he's the guy that everyone in the stands will be going, oh, trade him for a bag of pucks. <laughs> So beyond your skill level that it's almost unfathomable. One man can control two teams playing on the ice. Guys that played like 12 years of, you know, double A hockey. Yeah. Uh, it's another stratosphere. Totally. So, Commander, I just wanted to ask uh, before we uh, before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask about your uh, your newest project, The Defector, out now. Your, it's a novel. And I just wanted to ask, uh, first of all, I'd, I'd like to know about the novel, but like, when did this, uh, like the the bug to write fiction, come about for you? Obviously, like you know, you had a lot of your life dedicated to becoming an astronaut and Air Force pilot. When did that creative spark come for you, writing fiction? Flood, uh, imagine if you had just spent the last six months on board a spaceship, going around the world every ninety minutes, 
and then you get into your little capsule and you come screaming down through the atmosphere, getting crushed into your seat. And then the vehicle, the parachute opens, you slam into the ground, it rolls end over end, you open up the hatch, the hatch, and then you sort of stagger out unsteadily up onto your feet. What do you do then? What do you do with that incredible, rare, new human experience? And I just thought it was way too deep and rich and worthwhile just to keep to myself. And so, you know, I've played music with Ed about it. We've written songs about it together. I've, uh, I've talked to people all around the world. I've also written some books and I've written non I've written uh, nonfiction. But when you write fiction, you can um, sort of look at the same thing from a bunch of different people's point of view. You can tell the same event from a bunch of different emotional reactions. So you can really get the, the reader in on what it's truly like, you know, get the sense of things. And I've always been, you know, fascinated and, and uh, absorbed by a well-written fiction book, one that really transports me away from what I'm doing. So my first fiction, The Apollo Murders, it's done great. It's being made into a television series by uh, Sylvester Stallone's production company, uh, which he calls Balboa Productions. And, uh, <laughs> and then this new book, um, which has been a bestseller since it came out, it's called The Defector. And it's, it's the tale of a, of a Soviet, it's during the Cold War, it's spies and lies and you know all kinds of twists of plot. But it goes from uh, wartime uh, during the Yom Kippur War 50 years ago to then out to the deserts of Nevada, where they confiscated Soviet airplanes were tested right next to the Nevada nuclear test range um, and, and the twist of the plot in amongst all the reality. And yeah, it's, uh, is the number one best-selling book in Canada. So I'm super excited and proud of that. And I think everybody who's going to read it is, uh, everyone's read it so far has really enjoyed the plot and the escape of, uh, of having a chance uh, to, to live a little bit in my world. My, my pal, Chris is, kind of an underachiever <laughs> i was gonna say wow an extensive <laughs> no, resume that's amazing yeah, well guys we we really appreciate commander and yourself ed for jumping on uh the, our stream here it's been a, a amazing 15 minutes here and we're we're just so happy that you guys were able to jump on uh chris let them know where you can find this amazing new novel of yours and ed let us know what you got going on as well all right you first uh, we just released a new record. I think it's our 18th studio record. It's called In Flight, coincidentally. Oh, <laughs> it's available on your phone. You don't even have to go to a record store. Uh, I love it. I think it's the best record we've ever made, which is a great way to feel 35 years into your career. And, and my new book, like all the books, they're available anywhere that you buy books. If you can support an independent bookstore, that's a great thing to do. You know, there's a lot of little stores right across Canada that are really counting on a, on a big book to come out because it makes a difference of profit or loss for that store for the whole year. So you can get it anywhere. You can order it online. You can read it. You can, I, I even have Ray Porter will read the book to you if you want, but uh, makes a pretty nice Christmas gift as well. That album, this book. And, uh, and if you can go get it from a local uh, indie bookstore, uh, it'd be good for everybody. Well, thanks again, guys, for joining us. Joining us for Game Over Toronto. Thanks again for your time, guys. All right. Thank, thank you, guys. You see you, Take care. Everybody, everybody watching? Oh, yeah, that's right. You got it. <laughs> <laughs>
Absolutely. Well, everybody, we're going to be right back with a, a regular scheduled game over where we're going to talk about the game in more depth. Thanks again for joining us. Hey uh, guys. Commander and Ed, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate it so much. So did we just have a, Armand, was there a game? Because I that was just might have been the most mind-blowing experience it's kind of wild my entire life yeah when you I, just I have the, the lead not... singer of the bare naked ladies just show up and it's like holy shit he's in like the like Commander that's amazing that. he just, oh, he just in amazing. the back of the game and i'm like i love both of them what do i do right now no that was that was a lot of fun so we did have a game and we're going to talk about it armand let me get your first impressions of that <laughs> performance of what we saw here tonight yeah, it was a wild game. Uh, an interesting one to do when you have Commander Chris Hadfield uh, on game over as well. Uh, yeah. Started off so poorly. You know, uh, they brought up uh, uh, Commander Chris and Ed brought up the shot attempts uh, in the third period. But um, halfway through the first period or second period, I forgot when it was in the broadcast. I think the shot attempts were something like 36 to 13 for Florida. And like, wow, we were getting... Absolutely shelled. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Wall, uh, you know, uh, they brought him up as well as a, a standout. If it wasn't for Wall, we could have been down something like four nothing in that first period oh. alone. Like we maybe had three chances in that entire first period. And uh Florida just relentless on the four check. And what I in particular noticed um was we did not have an answer throughout the first two and a, uh, one and a half periods, I would say, for uh, Florida's aggressive forecheck. We were uh, cheating the zone. Our forwards up high were cheating the zone, and our defensemen were not really given many options. And the way Florida's D-man kind of pinched up to close that uh, gap and hold the line on any dump uh, dump out or uh, to, you know, uh, clear the zone we just didn't have an answer and every time that Florida forechecked as hard as they did they ended up with the puck we were losing puck yeah. battles and it was just horrible for the first uh, half of the game it was awful like oh, yeah. just total shit <laughs> like, totally honestly. yeah like yeah like, I mean the first period of the game I was just ready to, I was ready to go I'm like this is going to be one of those games where I'm we're going to rant like, Steve's going to rant but it, like, because of the circumstances going into the game, right? Leafs yeah. have had two poor performances. Florida Panthers, like, were, were in an absolute war against the Ottawa Senators a night yeah. before. Oh, my God. Travel <laughs> to game. Toronto, right? And then they start off that first period against the Florida Panthers, who ended their season embarrassingly in May. That's yeah. going to be the way that they go. Uh, that was, I mean, for most of the game, to be honest, uh, if, like you said, if it wasn't for Joseph Wool, this is a 5-1 game. Not maybe 4-5-1 game, yeah. quite honestly. And yeah. when Noah Gregor was the only guy to score a goal in, in, regu well, in regulation and wins the, wins the shootout, like that's something. I mean, I'm glad they got the win. I'm, I'm going to try to be, be positive here, but that is something very concerning about this team. <laughs> yeah, honestly, after we got the first goal, I think we played a lot better at least compared to the first half, like yeah. the first half was awful. So it's, it's not a, exactly a high bar to, <laughs> to pass, but I thought we were fairly even with Florida throughout the rest of the game and even into OT. Um, but, you know, in that first period, we were down one, nothing. It was a horrible period. We were outshot, outchanced. Yeah. And again, the only reason we weren't down three is because of Joseph wall. Um, 
And also by the end of the first period, I thought Marner was injured and I thought Giordano was injured. Giordano ended up uh, not yeah. coming, returning to the game, but luckily Marner came back with a cage. But it was just like a period from hell. You know, we had two injuries. We were getting outchanced and uh, we were also down. But yeah, like we were getting outmatched physically, which uh, is something that I think was disheartening to see. Uh, especially yeah. given the fact that Florida played such a grueling and physical game last night where there were a bunch of ejections, there was a bunch of physicality. You expect, especially after the last two games, the Leafs to rise to the occasion to start this game and to get their feet moving and to engage themselves physically. And it just really wasn't there the first period. Now, with that being said, I think as the game went on, uh, the physicality sort of turned up from the Leafs. We saw Domi get into a fight. We saw yes. uh, Mikola from the Panthers get dropped by both Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews on big hits, which is wild. Um, but yeah, uh, it's very much necessary. But, you know, in that first period, the forwards weren't really supporting their D-men and it resulted in turnovers. And because we were, you know, cheating the zone, whenever we turned it over, there was essentially an odd man rush going back the other way and we were giving up a ton of chances um so not the best systems game from the Leafs and the weird thing that I noticed at least in the back half of this game is the Florida plays a super aggressive forecheck and we generally play a more passive forecheck mm -hmm. and generally speaking when you play a passive forecheck your neutral zone game is a lot better uh because there's more people in the neutral zone because you're not being as aggressive in the offensive zone but uh we weren't really getting the benefit of that, even with the passive forecheck, because we were consistently getting caught flat footed and Florida just went through the neutral zone with speed and got an easy controlled zone entry. Whereas we struggled all night to, to utilize the neutral zone. We were dumping and chasing without having any sort of aggressive forecheck. We weren't getting pucks uh, on the dump ins and we weren't, you know, retrieving pucks when Florida dumped it in and, all that being said, it's like, I'm really surprised we came out of this with two points. Like, this was very much a not-process-oriented uh, game for the Leafs. Like, they were getting killed pretty much throughout. So, hats off to Joseph Wall and hats off to Noah yeah. Gregor, because otherwise we'd be coming out with a regulation loss tonight. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's what they say. That's what, the, like, the cliche is when a goalie steals you one. That was a stolen game, because... That Florida Panthers team looked pretty dominant for a lot of that game. You know, a lot of the first, a lot of the third. They are physical. They are like the throwback tough team. They're good. Like they're legitimately good. And like if we face them in the, if they face them in the playoffs going forward, like that might be a series again. That's going to be tough if they don't oh, make yeah. changes. But that's going to be. They are for real. That was not a. That was not a fluke at all. But Florida's just tough to play against. They like are tough as hell, man. <laughs> and night in and night out, like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, we talk about teams rising to the occasion in playoffs and becoming this tough team. Florida is doing this on the second half of a back-to-back -back right after playing a super tough game against the Ottawa Senators where they won, like, I forgot what it was, like, 4 nothing or something They got like punched that. in the face a lot, too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it was, like, 153 penalty minutes uh, between the two teams uh, last night. So, you know, and they come out, and you saw Domi and Bennett fighting, making it hard, and then oh. <laughs> Domi... <laughs> Sorry, Fuad, but he made fun of uh, Bennett for being bald, which was hilarious. Listen, listen here. Listen here. Listen here. Max Domi should have received a five-minute match penalty and should have been suspended for 10 games for that gesture towards 
being bald. Okay, that's Max Domi should. I know he's on our. I know he's on. Our, I know he's a Leafs. But I'm calling you out there. Bald is beautiful, Max Domi. That's hilarious because he actually like Domi just got absolutely destroyed in that fight too, <laughs> and then he gets up and then just does the, the most like low brow. You don't have hair insult, which I I just love. I, I thought I, that was hilarious. You know what was funny too? Like I I, I had to look. I'm pretty ninety nine percent sure it was Sam Bennett. That dive that mm. but with Max Domi Dude. was one one of the funniest gifts I've ever seen. Pretty he gets hit, play. and then he's just like he pauses for a second and then throws himself <laughs> on the ground. It's insane. Like, I, like Matthew Kachuk, even on that play, I I was so surprised that they gave a double minor to Domi because it was like, to me, it was just like obviously a flop. Like it just did not look no, was... in any way like fluid <laughs> in the way they fell. So oh. I, I was really pissed off about that. But honestly, that it was uh, after that kill. I honestly felt the best about the Leafs because that's a tough kill doing a double minor there. Yeah. And I thought the penalty kill tonight worked very well for the yes. most part i thought they got in got in lanes and obviously joseph wall is a huge part of that because pretty much any shot um that went his way he swallowed up with a with no rebound and his yes. rebound control today was outstanding and i thought the leafs did a really good job of flogging the uh slot every time a shot went through so that uh those rebounds that did get through were not easy for florida to get um so hats off to the PK because that was really the only thing that was going tonight, and of course Noah Gregor, who uh, right is amazing. <laughs> I love him. What he's the guess? best. He's the best pickup uh, of the off season for us. Like Noah what? Gregor, and you know he plays a super simple game. He sort of reminds me a little bit of Sam Lafferty in that regard, in that it's just like speed and and rush chances, and uh, he doesn't necessarily have the offensive IQ of elite players or even very good players for that matter that's why he's a fourth liner but uh his ability to just turn on the jets is insane like that puck went past uh the panthers defender stick and he was already well ahead of everyone else and Mm -hmm. he did such a good job of protecting the puck and then roofing it that was a sniper's shot like that was such a good finish so that play was incredible, and I really, really enjoy seeing that secondary scoring, especially when we, you know, swapped lines one and two. Except it wasn't really working on either of those lines. I think uh, in the first period, Matthews and Nylander's line ended up getting zero shot attempts for, uh, and so they got like absolutely yeah. shelled. And you know, I'm not too worried about those two lines. There's a lot of skill there, but uh, it's nice to see Gregor be the one to kind of steal a game and it was such a perfectly yeah. placed shot and he's the one to end it in the shootout as well so yeah love yeah. to see that yeah and you know to me we, we were talking in the chat that joseph wall should get the belt i would say joseph wall should get the belt noah gregor should get like a small belt everyone else gets back skated that's that's the way i'm looking at it like it was like a two-man show there but noah gregor though I, one thing i like about this guy why i think it was a fantastic pickup is yeah he's a he's a fourth liner like he's cap he's Captain of that fourth line ship. But should someone go down in the top six, it's not ideal, but you you could he wouldn't look extremely out of place in the top six. Or you wanted to move things around, like you wanted to put Bertuzzi on the third line. Something we don't want to get really weird like that. You could with a player like Noah Gregor. It probably won't happen, but you know. Yeah, he it, might work in a pinch. Uh in a pinch. the way the way I would see it is he'd be like a worse Kelly Yarncroke on the top six. Uh, in that he would be defensively pretty solid. He obviously has a lot more speed than Yarn Croak, uh, but the finishing ability in terms of both of their shots are really good. So they can sort of act as a complementary player. And of course, 
uh, Gregor can turn on his jets and, and get rush chances, which is really nice. But yeah, like he's just been a fantastic pickup. Uh, he's really, you know, shined for me uh, out of all of the uh, the uh, the pickups that we've got over the off season, and and so that, that it's just really nice to see. Honestly, like yeah, as we were, as we were saying, if Wall doesn't get it, Gregor's probably getting the belt tonight. But uh, I think Wall should get it to be honest. So totally. Also, we do have an update on Giordano. Uh, Sheldon Keith says he will be going out oh, back he is going to miss some time doesn't have a final report on his upper body injury just yet but uh another defenseman injured which is not ideal especially given the fact that we're getting news that Klingberg will probably be getting surgery um or is at least looking at surgery yeah. so he's anyways going to be long term out and then on top of that Giordano being out we're probably going to see either uh Lejoie or uh Legison into the uh lineup again so uh hopefully our depth defenseman can kind of rise to the occasion and uh come up big for you it is getting rough on the back end that's for sure like i mean you got mckay back it looked it looked pretty good it was pretty tough tonight but i mean brad for living was asked about you know what are you going to do about the defenseman and he said i'd like i'd still like to get another one like he's pretty open and candid about the fact that he's not happy with what he has back there but also mentioned like it's not easy to get. Like you can't just be like yeah. one defenseman, one number one defenseman, please. Like it's not as easy as that. So, man, it, it, that honestly, that's the biggest concern of the team right now. But honestly, like to me, defensively, we were fairly weak tonight in terms of the the way our defenseman played. Uh, I think there were a lot of D zone giveaways. But again, that comes back to how where the forwards, you know, supporting the defenseman. I thought they kind of cheated the zone too much, and and there wasn't that much puck support when the defenseman had it when the Florida's. Uh, four check was so aggressive, but um, Brody, I thought had a pretty off night. I thought uh, he wasn't that great, but I will say Morgan Riley tonight Ooh. was one of the very good defensemen. I thought yeah. he made two amazing plays that pretty much stopped sure goals. Uh, one was on a breakaway where he hustles his ass off to get back in time. And he does a Huge great play. job getting on the stick side of uh of the uh the person on the breakaway and and doing a stick check without taking a penalty and then another one where he puts the body down and and stops a two-on-one pass so riley's been an incredibly impressive uh player for us at the at least this entire season so far and you know looking back at last season and how he started then it's it's interesting to me how you know the least fandom, including myself, was a little down on Riley to start last season in terms of his defensive yeah. play. And uh, for him to kind of rise to the occasion, especially, you know, starting in last playoffs, he's found another gear in his game. And that's so incredible to, to see because we really do need that one number one defenseman. And I think Morgan Riley is that, you know, I really think he's been a one, not a number one D man uh, on this team for this year. It's just a matter of finding that supporting cast of responsible puck movers that is very difficult to find in the NHL, and that's why they tend to get overpaid. Uh, yeah, and yeah. So, everybody, you better pray to the hockey gods for Morgan Riley's health. I know that he had he's had a few seasons where injuries have caught up caught up to him, as well as you know just nagging injuries and like ones that came about. You you, you got to hope that this guy stays healthy because. I think he's he's the actual Achilles heel of the team. Like if if anything were to happen, there is I, there is not much on that decor that you could really 
you could really speak of, that would be a really like big loss. Let's all hope for Morgan Riley's health. I wanted to get to, you mentioned Sheldon Keefe earlier, and it reminded me of Sheldon Keefe looked over at Paul Maurice and said, hey, losing my absolute mind on my players worked. He was yelling. For that he team. He was yelling. So uh, I'm going to lose my absolute mind on this team and see what happens. My goodness. I think that the players kind of look shocked. It was like the really nice teacher that just had enough. Like the teacher that just gets bullied and is just, had enough like i really yeah. wish it was mic'd up because that would be something <laughs> i would pay money to hear that rant mic'd up yeah. but it's it's not like the first time keith has yelled but he looked pissed like he looked really angry with the face, team. And, yeah and at that point it was very much deserved the least yes. from playing like complete ass and so i'm very glad you know that we see the passion like obviously there's a lot of question marks with keith uh in terms of his ability to uh, you know, coach this team to a Stanley Cup. But, you know, when we see that type of, you know, passion and energy, like that's sort of what I want to see, especially because the the Leafs really looked non-energized throughout their first half of the game. Oh, yeah. And so you want to see the coach kind of fired up because I, I would have hated no response, you know? And so I think you know, we don't know what he said. We have no idea what he said, but I, I think it worked because after we saw that, I thought the Leafs kind of picked up their play quite a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. And Keith has been a guy that has like handled these, the team with kick gloves, like a little bit, like he's been really like, whenever he's criticized players, he's always walking it back. And I don't think that, in, I don't think that creates a lot of respect amongst the room. Like if you say something, you got to stand on your word and there's, it's okay to criticize the players. I think it's, okay to yell at times obviously like you don't want a toxic coach where they're going to tune you out but it's all right to lose your mind and get get fired up because if you care that much the care is going to start to rub off on everybody else in the room right and i thought that they were going to absolutely i thought he i feared for his health when (laughs) they gave up that five or that another too many men penalty at the oh end God. of regulation to snuff out that power play. You forgot about that because it's been a crazy game and a crazy okay. speed. I didn't. <laughs> to be fair to Keith and Elise, like obviously they've taken like, what is that? Their eighth or something oh, like that? Most of, the, most of the league. Um, I don't think that was a too many men penalty. It was the spirit of it. Like I think when I saw it, and I saw it pretty quickly, but I saw like Tavares was kind of at the bench. Like, he wasn't in the play. There were, I think there were six guys, but like, there were six Only guys, but the, like the when he touched the puck, like the player who touched the puck was not the person who was getting changed off. And yeah. the change happened within uh, whatever, five feet of the bench or whatever the rule is. Like he was close to the bench. I didn't think it was a penalty. So I was sort of pissed off by that. But at the same time, <laughs> figure your shit out. Like, <laughs> like, figure your shit out. You cannot be taking that many too many men penalties. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but uh <laughs> Like, how did it take eight too many men's 20 games into the season? That's almost, that's 40% of the game. Like, <laughs> it's, it's 40% of the game. Like, that's that's too ridiculous. Many men's. Wow. Oh, Math is goodness. fun. But yeah, no, like, if I was so certain, and I'm and honestly, it was a testament to the Leafs to overcome that because I was so certain they were going to lose in that overtime as a result of that play. Like, I, it was written on the wall the way that that was going to happen. Like it, it was such a momentum killer. Like, wow, we're going to lose that power play and yeah. we're going to go on a penalty kill in four yeah. on three or sorry, be four on three in overtime. Like 
credit to Joseph Wall and credit to the, the guys rallying around it because that is that could have been a backbreaker. For yeah, the, the penalty kill, like, like you know, like we mentioned earlier, it was really solid. The power play, sort of not as great, I would say, uh, today, especially that last one uh, at the end of regulation. Um, there were two times where I felt we mismanaged the puck on the entry, made an ill-advised pass, and it got taken away, and it could have been a chance for the Panthers if they could just, you know, yeah. uh, if they, you know, got it with speed at least. You know, we did a good job hustling back to make sure that there weren't any shorthanded chances against, but at the same time, that was not what I wanted to see, especially from the first power play unit yeah. with a minute to go, you know, in regulation where you have a chance to end it against a divisional rival and you misplay the puck like that. Like, that's not a good look, in my opinion. Um, and it sort of was what led to that too many men call as well. Uh, so I would like for the Leafs to kind of figure their stuff out. I think puck management was an issue all night, especially with yeah. their star players as well. So we'll see how it goes. I also thought we were going to lose and I thought we were going to yeah. lose going into the shootout as well. And yeah. then we did. And then we didn't. We did it. And then, then we, we won. Did it. <laughs> I like, we were all certain. Like I literally, like we were speaking about it um, in yeah. the interview earlier. Like I was here. I heard I was, setting up for the stream and I hear Evan Rodriguez scores. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Let's talk about a loss. And then you guys, are, but wait, no, no, he didn't lose. Yeah. They didn't lose. Dude, just I yet. legit <laughs> turned my stream off. And then Rob was like, no, it might not count. And I was like, huh? And then I turned it on and uh, yeah, they got the right call there. Uh, they, he did definitely double touch it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Panthers were already, you know, in their locker room. I think the Leafs left uh, some of the Leafs left as well. Half of the stadium left. And then you kind of come dope. back on. Yeah, Joseph Paul wow. had his gloves <laughs> off, uh, Robert Producer just said. And yeah, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, but uh, luckily, we get one of those calls going our way. I thought, you know, Wall deserved that as well. You know, he played a great game, so I'm glad that he kind of got uh, rewarded with a win there because, uh, yeah, it, it, wild, just completely wild game. Yeah, and you mentioned about the star players missing passes. What What do you make of it? Because right now, they showed a graphic that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner right now are absolutely arctic cold right now they are not playing well and you can see it it's not like they're like you can really see it because it's hard to know like i didn't notice austin matthews until he had like one chance like that but it kind of felt like he's like oh austin matthews is in this game i forgot like he kind of just showed up and that's like he hasn't been dangerous martin has been interesting because I like I'm I'm sort of on the same page as you uh, with with Marner especially I I don't think he's looked particularly dangerous but I think Matthews is getting shots on net they don't look nearly as dangerous as no you know Austin Matthews had his prime shots on net where it's like everything seems to be going in uh, it sort of reminds me of when he was uh, had his shoulder or, or wrist injury earlier and it, it, everything just looked a millisecond oh, no. off that type of thing. I'm not suggesting that he has an injury, oh, though, no, but uh, no. he is getting shots. <laughs> he, he is getting shots on net. Um, it's just, you know, he's been held pointless in something in like a crazy amount of games this year. I don't know what the uh -huh. exact stat is, but a lot of games. Cause you know, when we look back at his points, he's his point totals aren't that bad, but you also have to remember how many multi-point games he's had. Right. And so, you know, when he gets two hat tricks to start the, the season yeah. off, that's obviously a large portion of his point totals. And so he's been actually held off the score sheet a decent amount a lot, of times. And yeah. I think that means them. I think today makes it three games in a row that both Matthews and Marner have been held off uh, the score sheet entirely. Um, with that being said, they are both obviously skilled players. They are both yes. obviously elite and they will figure it out. 
you know, we're 20 games into the season. Um, I'm glad this is happening now and not close to the playoffs, but uh, they do need to kind of turn things around and find some sort of energy because they both look a little off. And Lethargic, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think part of that is also, you know, I like that we changed the lineups, put Nylander with Matthews tonight, um, although it didn't work all too well. Uh, Nylander, again, hit two posts. I feel like he's been completely snake bitten after the streak. And he's, he had a hat trick of posts in like those two games. Like it was. <laughs> yeah, like legitimately. Twice. I mean, like he's, he was buzzing. I mean, he, I mean, a post is better than nothing at nothing. all. It's, yeah. it's not great, but at least he got. Yeah, he was an inch net. off on uh, on two shots in the same shift. So um, comedic. Yeah. Uh, Matthews, I thought, had a, a couple good rush rush chances and uh Stolars I thought also played a great game uh credit to him I thought he turned uh Matthews and Mitch down quite a bit and uh Mitchie honestly after he came back I, I thought he was pretty resilient uh he was engaging physically which was great to see especially with like what I assume is like a broken jaw or whatever he has Ooh, going on there something. Uh, I yeah. okay uh Rob just said that uh according to Keith he apparently just has a gash on his face which is good to hear thank god but um, uh, yeah, it's still a pretty tough, uh, tough game for him in terms of the the, the injury side of things. So I'm I'm glad that he was engaged physically uh, after coming back with the with the full cage, and he got a few good chances off. I'm kind of hoping that they build momentum around that uh, and kind of focus on the on the positives and and offensively kind of getting back to their elite level uh, of play because yeah, they've just they've just been lacking recently. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, with Marner, it's like, and he was the same as as you you put out. Matthews got a lot of his goal, a lot of his points in like a couple of games, like bunches of games where you know you want consistency. Like Marner has had like there was like two games where he had eight of his points. Like if I'm not mistaken, like it was like that's the thing. Like they got to really start. Like it's yeah, it's great to have all those points, but if you're not getting them consistently, you might as well not really have them, right? And to your point, like he played. I mean, it must be hard to play with that cage like, adjusting from like having your face being un- unencumbered and then having that yeah. cage. I mean, I never played hockey, but you played like you, you, you play with that mesh. How does anybody oh, yeah, see dude, that I, thing? I play with the cage all, all the time. Yeah. But how do you see I would hate playing without the cage in, in a beer league? I'm not taking a puck to the face and getting, yeah, cause you're not getting paid beer league hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, seeing wise, like for me, I've never played without a cage, so yeah. I've gotten very used to it, but everyone I talk to, who doesn't play with the cage finds it very hard to go back to it. Um, Visibility wise, obviously there are things that, uh, you know, you kind of struggle with, but at the same time, uh, yeah, like it, it, I just thought he was pretty impressive uh, coming back from that. uh, And that kind of shows a little bit of fight in him. I thought his shots were a little weak. They kind of just went straight into the Stolarz's crest. You know, he kind of just shot at the goalie every time. Um, So that's a little, you know, not great, but at the same time, you know, Mitch isn't exactly a sniper compared to Austin Matthews. Uh, so I'm just kind of glad that he was kind of engaged in, in offensively, uh, you know, getting at least a few shots on net. We do want to see him and Matthews kind of get into the other gear and, you know, produce like they are paid to do, Yeah. you know, because considering these guys are getting top of the league money, they haven't been producing yeah. at that rate and we need them to. Uh, we're kind of lucky so far in this season that Nylander and, you know, even some secondary scoring guys like Gregor tonight are sort of making up for holes in this team that shouldn't be there. You know, um, Matthews and Marner are the guys getting paid $11 million. Uh, so, you know, we need them to play like $11 million guys and they just haven't yeah, been there up. yet. 
You got to show so, up. That's yeah. That's like what that's like 25% of your cap. Like that's is yeah. those two guys. And, you know, like, you got to show up. Bad stretches happen, but you expect elite players to get out of them very quickly. And so we just need Matthews and Marner to kind of take another step. And I think they will. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. And that's a very optimistic take because I know a lot of Leaf fans are probably pissed at Matthews and Marner right now and uh, deservedly so. But uh, for now, I'm sort of cautiously optimistic about uh, the Leafs future and Matthews and Marner, uh, you know, kind of getting back to their game. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so I think we got to everything we could get to with this game and the, the craziness that was this game. How about we go for a bit of a press? So let's get some questions here. Uh, I have one here from Mark Daig. I think that's how you pronounce the name. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, think Sammy lost the crease tonight. I think that's more of a statement, but not a not a uh, not a question. But uh, yeah, uh, he lost the crease a long time, a long ago. time ago. Yeah, <laughs> but like maybe this is like the yeah this is he's definitely the backup goalie. It's not even one. It's one and two. That's yeah. I mean, Wall's been too good to not give him the opportunity. I mean, he's seized every single game. Uh, not every single game, but most games that he's been in. I think he's been really solid, giving us every chance to win. And tonight, you know, when we talk about luck, you know, factoring into games and how the Leafs got lucky, you create that luck. And part of that luck is created by Joseph Wall being super solid in net, getting to pucks, um, you know, squaring up to pucks and being positionally sound enough where tip-ins or, or tips and uh, hard-to-handle shots are pretty easily grasped uh, by Wall. So, you know, he's been an excellent goalie for us tonight he was just absolutely amazing so yeah i think he's got the 1a position like that that's his for that's for him to lose now my favorite thing about him and you can this is one thing that anybody can notice he is so unflappable he sees the game at like 50 percent speed I, like i think i think he, like the way like the way he was taking shots tonight was like you saw it when like florida like shot from the point and he just went snagged the puck like yep. it was nothing. Like he was playing catch with his dog. Like that, it yep. was, that was a kind of an, it just was, it was a small play, but it was an example of how he plays. Like he is always in position, never losing his posts. Like sometimes he can't, he, sometimes he does that. If you're a goaltender, 10, the goal type thing. Sometimes yeah, he had Whatever. two, he had two like a minor misplays with the puck, which like made my heart skip a beat tonight where, uh, yeah, he just misplayed the puck behind the net and, and, and gave it to the Panthers, but you know, everything was all good. And we do have word that Joseph Wall did get the belt and it's very much deserved for him. And, you know, as you said, like uh, he's unflappable. And, you know, in this game specifically, he got ran twice and where, you know, enough to fall down. And one of them uh, knocked his helmet off when uh, Matthew Nyes' stick, I think, got caught in between him and the Panthers player and, and hit That's him in the chuck. head. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the Panthers get in your face. You know, they get in the goalie's face. We see it all the time. And so... Uh, it was just good on wall for never really giving in to any sort of the mental game there. He was dialed in all night. And as you said, he was catching pucks and not only catching pucks and, 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 you know, to, to freeze the play, but catching pucks when we were hemmed into the zone, he was the reason yeah. we got, we were able to get a line change because if he was not able to freeze that puck, then, you know, how we, who knows how long that our, our defenders are out there hemmed in their own zone. They get tired and then, you know, you have one in the back of your net. So rebound control was such a big part of this game and why we won it. And uh, credit to Joseph Fall. I think he deserved every bit of that belt that he got tonight. Uh, he was definitely our first star. I have some interesting comments here. Uh, apropos of nothing, but I, I don't know what discussion was here, but 
Some people were saying that the Hall hate was media for Justin Hall was media driven and overanalyzed. Uh, I think someone said that Hall was never as bad as he made out to be. I, I don't know where okay. this actually came from. I actually don't know where that came from, but listen, okay. Hall was paid $3 million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hall is interesting because, um, like there is truth to that in the sense that like i think everyone in in uh the toronto media market is either is overanalyzed and either you know us deemed better than, <laughs> yeah exactly us deemed better than they are or deemed worse than they are we saw it with like you know when galchenyuk was on the leafs and how everyone was like oh the leafs fixed him and then he's like out of the league uh within the next like half a year obviously due to uh, other circumstances as well but um point being is like justin hall is Probably better than Leafs fans and media made him out to be. With that being said, if he was still on the Leafs, it would not be any better. You know what no. I mean? Like, <laughs> like he would still be the scapegoat, and he would still be the reason that a lot of goals went in because we know what he is. You know, like as much as he was over hated, it doesn't make him good. You know, yeah. I think he was just the scapegoat. And a lot of the times he may have been getting a lot more hate than he deserved. But like, you know, even when we played Detroit, Hall was one of the reasons that I think the game winner went in. And it's like, yeah, you know, he's got deficiencies in his game. And uh, I don't think that's overanalyzing him. I think he's got a lot of deficiencies in his game, especially in the net front position uh, at five on five play. Um, So, yeah, him being a cap hit of like three point four million. Yeah, I'm not mad. Yeah, I'm not mad that he's, <laughs> no, on our, he's not on our team anymore. Honestly, like I'm fine with that. You know, Detroit can take him for that much money. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And let me be clear: if he was still on the team, y'all would be saying trade this man right now. Yeah, I mean that's just the Leafs market. You know, I mean that's we're super reactionary, and every time a Leafs player leaves, <laughs> he's the the absolute best player in the world. And every time, anytime he's on the Leafs, you know, people want him out. Like, I, I guarantee if Marner were to be traded, the Leafs fans would be going off because he would still be a good player. Like, you know, even we're complaining about Marner now. He's he's a point per game guy, you know, and if he was a point per game guy on another team, we would all be like, why the hell did we trade him? It's like, it's just the market. That's that's how it is. Well, in the case of Marner, if if he was on another team, you know, for certain the next year he's winning the Stanley Cup and rubbing it in everyone's faces. <laughs> that's why people would miss him. It wouldn't be the regular season stuff, but you know just karmically how this goes. He'd be whatever team he goes to. Then it could be Arizona. They'd be they'd be hoisting the Stanley Cup the next year just because of <laughs> not not because of the team. No, just because of how it goes. Just that, that, how, that would be the most Leafs thing ever. Yeah. Most Leafs thing ever, right? Let's <laughs> what can go wrong always does go wrong. But uh, yeah, how do you how are you feeling about the next game? They're going against the Seattle Kraken at home. Uh, before yeah. we wrap up, let's talk about that a little bit. The Seattle Kraken are sort of struggling this season um, compared to last season. Uh, I think they're losing to the Chicago Blackhawks right now, funnily enough. Yeah, so they're they're currently losing 4-3 against the Blackhawks with 10 minutes to go, and uh, they lost 5-1 against the uh, Canucks the yeah. uh, the game before that. But uh, they did win 7-1 against the Sharks, but you know who cares? That's the Sharks. Um, yeah, the Kraken are interesting. Uh, they were good last year. They were shit the first year. They were good last year. Yeah. Now they're back to kind of being a middling team, uh, you know, sitting around that 500 mark uh, as a team. Uh, so the Leafs should win, you know, all things considered. I think the Leafs are a better team. I think on paper, the Leafs 
um, are far more high firepower than the than the Seattle Kraken are. So uh, it's another game where I think that the Leafs should pull out ahead. Um, but with that being said, this season uh, and many seasons before, we've said the same thing many times before that the Leafs are a better team and they end up looking like a dud. So, yeah, you know, these past three games uh, specifically, they've all been close games, uh, but they've all also been games where the Leafs have showcased a process that uh, is extremely lacking, uh, whether that be for, you know, they just don't look physically engaged or their passes are not hitting each other or, you know, uh, anything, any of the other reasons that uh, the Leafs kind of look bad. Uh, they really need to find another gear here uh, because it's been a sort of long skid where uh, the Leafs have kind of just been getting by rather than yeah. excelling. And you say, tonight was you, another game like that. Yeah. When you say process, it, it makes it me sound like it's some sort of analytics type thing. When it really is, the process is don't start the game like you literally slept no no hours the night before. Like literally start the game like you actually yeah. can play the game of hockey. Yeah. That's the process, really. That's probably you don't think you need the analytics department to to break that one down for, for us. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Like I genuinely don't know what it is because like <laughs> like they've had to talk about it. You know, we we know they've talked about it. Keith has talked about it before. You know, starting on time and the stuff guy like before that. So, him like, talked about it. Yeah, a lot. What is going? Like what? Why? Like I genuinely do not understand it's... what to do with this team in terms of starting on time. It's just consistently been an issue forever with multiple people on our roster, multiple coaches, multiple, you know, everything, multiple, you know, leadership uh, voices in the room. It's always been an issue and it continues to be an issue. And I have no idea why, like just start on time, man. Like what do they have to change? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's one of those things that like, yeah, like you said, there's one of those things where I think people are just done trying to explain it. It's just one of those <laughs> it's phenomenons. To explain. It's, it's like, just... how did the pyramids, how do the pyramids just appear? You know, that's what, that's literally why they don't start on time. That's what I equate it to. It just doesn't make sense, but it's there. And that's the reason. So we will be back. Uh, I won't be on that one, but you game over with Toronto. We back on November 30th against Seattle Kraken. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's it, Armand. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining this absolute fever dream of a show. It was amazing. Obviously, we had uh, Chris Hadfield and special guests from the Bare Naked Ladies, Ed Robertson. Man, that was just, that was something. That, that was something I did not expect. I love I'm it. stumbling on my words because I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> what a great show. If you guys missed that portion, please go ahead in the beginning and watch the first about the first 15 minutes. And it'll be in the YouTube video tomorrow and on podcast wherever you get it first 15 minutes you can catch that very fun interview but uh yeah thanks again my name is Fuad Suleiman you can find me on Twitter at Fuad underscore sports I keep calling it Twitter because screw that it's Twitter I'm not calling it X screw that and my <laughs> name is Armand Panthiki you can find me on Twitter at Armand Panthiki as well I want to say thank you to Commander Chris Hadfield and and Ed uh, for joining us tonight obviously amazing guests we love to have them here so and, uh, yeah. phenomenal thanks everyone Take peace.